minds, how we manage our, our thoughts. And this week we're going to be thinking about how do we manage our feelings, our emotions. Mark 12, 29 to 30, Jesus says, the most important commandment is this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus is saying, I, I don't want you just, just to kind of love me. I don't, I don't want you to just kind of to love God. I, I want you to love me with your heart, your whole heart. I, w- I want you to be passionate in your, in your relationship with God, not just that I know Jesus in my head, but that I know God in our hearts, experiencing a relationship with God that includes our emotions. Before we get into this, let me give you some facts about our emotions. First this, God has emotions. That, that might be a, a weird idea to some of us, uh, but, but God has feelings. God is an emotional God. God feels joy, and he feels grief, and he feels pain. We know he feels hatred towards sin and has frustration with the people around him, just like we do. God has emotions. If, if God wasn't an emotional God, we wouldn't have emotions. One of the most astounding verses in all of Scripture is Genesis 1, 26, where, it, where the, the Trinity says, let us make man in our image. And, and so our ability to feel is actually a gift from God. We're made in his image. And so our emotions are, are part of what it means to be looking like God. Now, they may not always seem that way, but I would suggest even our, our negative emotions serve a purpose in our lives. They have a role. Emotions are what make us, uh, us human. If, if we didn't have them, we'd be like robot, robots. You know, it, it's, it's our emotional capacity that, that allows us to love and to create and be faithful and, and be loyal and kind and generous. So God made us to feel. Now, as I was preparing for this message this week, it seemed like every song I heard on the radio <laughs> had to do with feelings. In fact, I'd say much of the music that we listen to has to do with our emotions. I thought I'd just play a quick clip of a music video from one that struck me this week. It's a Justin Timberlake song, uh, I Can't Stop This Feeling. Let's, uh, let's watch a brief clip of the video. Can't start the video. Right in the middle. this feeling inside my bones it goes electric wavy when i turn it on off from my city off from my home we're flying up no ceiling when we in our zone i got that sunshine in my pocket got that good soul in my feet i feel that hot blood in my body when it drops Ooh, i can't take my eyes off of it moving so phenomenally to keep going, didn't you? Some of you are like, end that song, it's pagan, what is it doing in church? 
That was so awesome. I mean, I found this week when I was uh, feeling just a little bit down, I played that song, and I was like, I found my, the move, you just can't not move when you got that song playing. Um, actually, I played that, that particular video because it reminded me of some of you and your dancing moves. I thought, if you guys were dancing, that's what you would look like. No, that's a compliment. I thought they were, like, were really good dancers. I'm just jealous. So we're made in God's image. God made us to feel, right? It's part, a core part of who we are. But there are two extremes to avoid in dealing with emotions. Uh, one is called emotionalism, and, and the other you might call stoicism. Uh, let me explain these to you. Emotional, emotionalism means that, that all that matters in my life is how I feel. You know, doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what's right or wrong. Doesn't matter what's good or bad. The only thing that matters is what I feel. And so that, that extreme means that, that my emotions control my life. They rule my decisions. They dominate me. And, I, and I'm a very emotional person. Stoicism means that, that feelings really aren't that important at all. It's the exact opposite. The only thing that, that matters is your intellect and your will and, and your intelligence, your thinking. So, so the Stoics say, might say, emotions yeah, they're there, but they're not an important part of my life. They really don't matter. They carry no weight. Um, I think it's always fun to get an, an, uh, an emotional, emotionally extreme person and a stoic in the same room together and just to see how they interact with one another. You might, uh, you might call them a gusher and a stuffer, right? <laughs> and and it's, it's funny to me that how, how often uh, stuffers and gushers get married. I mean, you get the, uh, these opposites in the same, same family. And stuffers get frustrated with, with gushers because they're, they're too emotional. And gushers get mad at stuffers because they think they're too uptight. They're too, too kind of closed off. Stuffers don't like sharing their emotions. Whereas gushers think if you're not sharing your emotions, you're not being authentic. Both are extreme. And so somehow we have to find this, this happy medium, this happy middle ground. It's, it's not emotionalism or, or stoicism. It's not gushing or stuffing. Now, it's interesting to me that uh, many Christian denominations have been formed around these two ideas, really, these approaches. There are those Christians who've decided that it, it really doesn't matter how you feel. The only thing that matters is the, the truth of God's word. So they, they downplay emotions. But that ignores the fact that God gave us our emotions for a reason, that, that God invites us to worship him with our hearts, you know, that, that he wants us to feel in our relationship with him. In, in fact, uh, God complains in, in, in scripture many, many different times how people are worshiping him with their lips while their hearts are far from him. And so, so, so some Christians say emotions aren't important, but there are other Christians who say emotion is all that matters, really. You know, when they come to church, what are they looking for? They're looking for that emotional moment where they feel it, right? If they haven't felt it, they haven't worshipped, you know? And, and that's wrong, too. A lot of people can actually be, be seeking an emotion and not actually seeking God when they worship. And so our emotions, I would say, can become like an idol to us. So we can make our mind an idol where, where thinking and theology and and, and those kind of things become an idol to us as well. They can become a god, or we can make our emotion or our experience a god. 
both of these are off base because God, God gave us both a mind and emotions. They go together and they're important to us. And final fact I want to look at in terms of understanding emotions is we have a, a section of scripture that's really devoted to this in some ways. Uh, you'd call it the Psalms, a section that really helps us understand and, and, and uh, affirms our emotions. Lincoln talked about the Psalms this summer and uh, talked about our, our feelings. And he did this cool thing. He had Sonny, who is our directory photographer. He's going to be taking pictures today. He took some pictures the week before Lincoln preached of some individuals from Hillside expressing some of the, mo the emotions that we find in the book of Psalms. So I want to just real quick, four volunteers who don't mind holding up one of these pictures. These are hillsiders. <laughs> Just hold them up for a, a couple minutes. All right. Are those great pictures, by the way? John Anderson looks so scary there, doesn't he? I mean, that's a, he's, an, he's one angry man. What is, what is this one? Sadness, sadness, fear, something like that. This one here, I said already, angry. What's this one? Happy, joy, right? Anger, fear. I actually think uh, Graham kind of, you know, he can't hide the fact that he's really enjoying himself. <laughs> I think so. Just, just hold him there for a second. But, but you know, if we struggle with some of the emotions in our lives, I think it's, a, it's, it's healthy to spend a lot of time in the book of Psalms. Psalms has every emotion known to man in it, the good and the bad, the, the positive and the negative. Not all Psalms are praise and thanksgiving. A lot of Psalms are, are about anger and complaint. There are Psalms, we call them the Psalms of lament, which in modern day language you'd call Psalms of grief or Psalms of, of sorrow where people are pouring out their grief to God. I love that those are in there. Um, we have psalms of, of arguing with God. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that amazing that that's in Scripture? We have examples of, of psalmists writing these prayers of argument with the Almighty. And so just by having the psalms in Scripture reminds us that this is part of what it means to be a human being, having and dealing with all these emotions. Thanks, guys. You can uh, put those down. That's, that's great. Appreciate it. So how do we deal with how we feel? A couple things we're going to look at this morning. First, we're going to look at uh, why it's important for us to manage our feelings, our emotions. And then we'll end by looking at how we can go about that. I'd suggest this is a skill that we can grow in. It's a key to so many good things. And so first, from God's word, why do we need to, to manage our emotions? And, and just to make it interesting, I'll, I'll ask you from time to time the question, do you feel me? And I want to hear a response. I feel you, okay? Can we try this out right now? Do you feel me? That's excellent. You guys are so compliant today. Not like normal. You're welcome. We were at a soccer game last week, and there's lots of interaction, but I don't want you saying soccer words in this church, okay, guys? Just you behave yourselves. So four things. First, we need to, to manage our emotions because my feelings, our feelings are often unreliable. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to, to death. <laughs> our, our, our emotions 
might seem right, but they're un often unreliable and they can lead us in, in the, the, the wrong direction. I wonder if any of you have done this. You, you thought, I know this is the right thing to do. I just feel it in my gut. And you do it and everything goes south. It all goes wrong. <laughs> We've all done that. Our, our gut can often be wrong. Our, our emotions can lead us astray. And, and so we can't depend on everything that we feel because not everything we feel is right. Sometimes what we feel is just flat out dead wrong. So our emotions are not infallible. So we really need to learn this just because just because we feel it doesn't make it true. Do you feel me? Excellent. Secondly, we don't want to be manipulated. The Bible says in Proverbs 25, 28, like an open city with no defenses is the man with no check on his feelings. You know, what that verse is, is saying, that if we don't learn to control our emotions, they leave us vulnerable. They do. Uh, vulnerable to being hurt. Uh, I'd say vulnerable to being misled, like we just talked about. Vulnerable to being manipulated. We can end up being pushed around by our feelings rather than by what's right or what we've made a commitment to or, or by the truth. I mean, salespeople and, and advertisers know the, the power of emotions, how powerful they can be, and so they're trained to, to stir our emotions because they know if they can get us hooked emotionally, what will we do? We'll buy their product, right? How, how many of you have been in a, a sales situation or in a store and, and you, you, you came away from that experience and your response, your feeling was something like this, I just got schooled. I just got sold a bill of goods, right? You, you feel that? You remember? Because your emotions, you feel that, that pit in your stomach because you, you know something sacred, took, something sacred was abused. Your emotions were used against you. And it's not just salespeople or advertisers that do this. Satan does this. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. I, I think one of Satan's favorite tools is using our negative emotions. Uh, he uses fear in our lives to cause us to panic. I, I, he uses you know, resentment and, and bitterness and, and jealousy and envy in, in order to, to mess up our relationships, our capacity to love other people. He uses worry and anxiety. You know, one of his favorites, I think, is he uses shame. A lot of us know what that's like, the Satan using shame in our lives. But he, he loves to whip us around with all our negative emotions. And so, so we manage our emotions in order not to be manipulated by them and, and not by some advertisement or by some salesperson or, or by Satan himself. Do you feel me? Good. Third, we want to please God. Peter Scazzaro in his book, uh, Healthy Spirituality, uh, emotionally healthy spirituality said many times, it is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. <laughs> Here's the thing. God cannot be the God in your life or my life if our emotions are God in my life. If I'm really following it, and we're called to follow Jesus, but if we're really following our feelings entirely, kind of devoted to them, God's not God. <laughs> The Bible says in Romans 8, he says, to be controlled by human nature results in death. To be controlled by the Spirit results in life and peace. 
Those who obey their human nature cannot please God. And so we cannot please God if, if our emotions kind of dominate and, and our decisions are made based on how we feel rather than what God's word says. So fourth reason, real quick, uh, we want to manage our emotions because, honestly, uh, I think all of us want this. We want to succeed in life. You, you want to do well, don't you? I mean, you're hoping for kind of whatever version of the good life you want to have, a, a successful life. Studies show this is one of the number one predictors of success or failure in a person's life. Study after study shows that your EQ is more important than your IQ. Your emotional quotient is, is more important than your intelligence quotient. There, there are a lot of people with not a high IQ, but they're, they're very successful in life. They've, they've got smarts in, in dealing with their emotions. They've got smarts in dealing with how they feel. And as a result of that, they're, they're, they're better with how they relate to other people. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 5.23, men, people get lost. And he's kind of talking about just in life in general. And they die because of their foolishness and lack of self-control. You, you know the saying, uh, you know, basically, if it feels good, do it. Sounds like a great life plan, doesn't it? What, what does that look like? Well, it looks like a wasted life, a lost life. We've all known people who, who live or are dominated by their emotions, and they get up in the morning and they say, what do I feel like doing today? Not much. So what do they do? Not much, right? If we, if we only deal with how we feel, we'd never do the hard thing. Uh, I would say the hard thing is actually what, what leads us to, to success, choosing discipline, choosing practices that lead us towards life, right? We, if we never do that, we... We find we're not going to succeed in life. There's not, we're not going to make much in li our life. We're not going to experience significance, which we all long to, to, to be, to make a difference. So when you give your heart to Jesus, that includes giving him your emotions. Jesus wants to be Lord of your emotions. 1 Peter 5, or 4, I should say, 2, says, From now on you must live the rest of your earthly lives controlled by God's will and not by human desires. Not by, design, not by our emotions. So how do we do that? Uh, what are some steps we can take to manage our negative emotions or our unmanageable emo uh, emotions, our unwanted feelings? Uh, I'm going to suggest three things, three steps that we can take. First is name it. First, first thing we have to do in dealing with an emotion is to name it. What does that, that mean? It means we've got to become a little bit more self-aware. You know, what exactly am I feeling? Uh, I'm going to identify it, I get, get, get specific. I'd say it is hard for us to manage a vague feeling, something that's kind of a nebulous out there. We can only change and control that which we've identified. Now, I just want to be straight with you this morning. I feel like a little bit uh, like I've walked most of my life with an emotional limp. Like I, I don't know or understand emotions, maybe, maybe emotionally limited in some ways. Uh, how this manifests it for itself for me is I often can't answer the question, how do you feel? Uh, for me, I, I'm very, I very typically would say I'm fine. Yeah, all's good. <laughs> I, I, I find it harder to, to, to take it to the next level. Really, what's that next thing down? Why is it I feel like that? Sometimes I feel like David, Psalm 55, where he says, my thoughts are restless and I'm confused. That's just, that's the way a lot of us are with regards to our feelings. We're confused. So you want to ask a couple of questions. These have been really helpful to me. First, what am I really feeling? 
That's the first question. What am I really feeling? What I mean is you need to scratch beneath the surface because what you think you're feeling is not necessarily what you're really feeling or what it's about. We have many examples of David doing this in Scripture. Question, you, 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 if you've read the Psalms, you'll, you'll hear David say, why am I so downcast, O oh my soul? He's, he's trying to ask that question of what's going on deep inside of me? Why am I feeling depressed? Um, this morning, I thought we could have just taken the morning and, and watched the Pixar film Inside Out. <laughs> it's it's good, re, good research for this particular uh, morning. Um, I, I, how many of you have seen it? It's, a, it's an incredibly emotionally intelligent film. And, and I'm a bit of an unapologetic apologetic, uh, Pixar fan because I would say they do a great job of telling stories, but they pay attention to the heart. And, and in this movie especially, but I, I, I think I've never had a cartoon make me cry before before the Pixar film Up. If, you've seen, if you can get through the first six minutes of that film without being in tears, you are in need of counseling. Just telling you. But in Inside Out, the main character, her name is, she's a teenager, she's, her name is Riley, and uh, she's dealing with being uprooted by her parents. They, they've moved from the Midwest United States to, to San Francisco because of her dad's job. And what's clever about the story is they illustrate Riley, how she's guided by her emotions. And her emotions are all characters in the story. We see there's joy, there's fear, there's anger, there's disgust, there's sadness. And they all live in, in headquarters, the, the control center in Riley's mind where, where they help her through everyday life. But, but the story is really how Riley is feeling all confused and, and, and bounced around. And, and this gets expressed in, in all these outbursts. And she's angry and she's in tears. And, and, and the, the, the film really reaches a climax where she's gotten to the place where she's kind of denied her feelings and she's just kind of emotionally numb. It's, it's an amazing portrayal. And the turning point comes when she's finally able to identify and, and not deny what she's really feeling, which is what she's really feeling is she's feeling grief and sadness at the loss of her childhood. She's kind of saying goodbye to those younger years. I dare you not to be moved by that story. Studies show that, that it's not cool or it's not kosher for men to display hurt or sadness. And so what do men display instead? Anger. There are a lot of angry, angry men out there. And they're, they're doing it to, to cover up their sadness or their hurt. Uh, us angry men, I would suggest we need to, to scratch beneath the surface of our anger and ask, what is it really about? What's making me angry? As we go deeper, we might find that somebody disappointed us or someone disrespected us, or criticized us, or snubbed us. Perhaps it's about some loss that we've experienced. I realized about a year ago, I, I was away for a, a weekend by myself, and uh, I realized I'd been feeling sad recently, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And in some quiet reflection, I realized, I'm sad, my oldest son is going into grade 12, and he's gonna be leaving us soon. It felt like, so when he went to college this fall, my, my wife really struggled with it. I haven't struggled as much because I realized back then what I was grumpy about, what I was sad about, what I was angry about was really the fact that my son was leaving home soon. And so I kind of grieved a year in advance. It was actually very efficient for me. <laughs> I don't miss him at all. It's like, 
less groceries. I mean, seriously, we're making money. We're, it's, it's good. <laughs> so you ask, uh, what is it I'm really feeling? So you feel me? Okay. So we name it. We say we can't tame it until we name it. The, the second thing we do is, is we challenge it. We just don't accept it. We, we challenge our emotions. We challenge what we're feeling. Uh, we don't auto automatically assume that it's accurate or it's correct or it's, or it's the truth or that it's even reflective of reality. We challenge it. Are, are, are things really as bad as I feel they are? No. Are things really as good as I feel they are? Probably not. So we need to ask ourselves some questions. David did this in, again in the Psalms. Psalm 26, he says, Lord, cross-examine me, test my motives and my affections. What are affections? Affections are a, a, an old word for emotions. He says, test my motives, test what I feel, my affections, my emotions. So we kind of, we kind of pray, we ask God to kind of put his finger on, 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 on what is it I'm feeling. You know, I, I don't know where it came from, but is it right, is it true? All those kind of things. That's a good prayer to pray. We do this with God. I'd also suggest we can do this with a friend. Sometimes we'll need a friend to challenge us in what we're feeling. Let me ask you, have you ever given a, a close friend permission to challenge you in that way, to challenge what you're feeling? You know, or do you just kind of expect them to uh, say yes to everything that comes out of your mouth, you know? Do we just, just want that? Uh, a true friend, I would say, is somebody that you give permission to say, are, are, are you sure about that? You think that's accurate? I mean, you think that's just a feeling? You give them the right to challenge that emotion and, and, and to say, Derwin, Derwin I, I don't think that what you're feeling is necessarily true. Job, Job had a friend like that. His name was Eliphaz. And Eliphaz let him down in all kinds of ways, but, but in some ways he served Job. In Job 15, Eliphaz asked Job, why has your heart carried you away and, and why do your eyes flash? That's a, a poetic way of saying, how come you've run off the deep end, Job? <laughs> right? So, so do you have anyone who can ask you those kind of questions and you not get mad at them? You actually hear it. So, so we, we don't just need a small group. I, I'd say we need a, a person. We need uh, somebody who, who would be open to, 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 to speaking into our lives in those ways and someone we've given the permission to challenge us in what we're feeling. So we challenge our emotions and if you're feeling a little lost on how to do this, this there's three questions you can ask yourself just to challenge yourself. What's the real reason I'm feeling this? This is that what we described earlier, scratching beneath the surface, some, some reflection. Is it true? Is it true? That's a great question to ponder. Um, there's a point with Elijah in Scripture where, where Elijah is just so down, so dis, just depressed, so discouraged, and, and he's, he comes and he's complaining to God. He says, God, out of the entire nation of Israel, I'm the only one left. And God pretty much says to him, that's not true. There's 7,000. There's a, a number reserved who still are, are, are serving me. Elijah wasn't seeing things accurately. In fact, we know it from the very next passage where Elijah goes and recruits Elisha. See, he wasn't the only one. There were more who were faithful to God. What he felt wasn't true. The third thing is to ask the question, is what I'm feeling helping or hurting? Um, sometimes the, this is the simplest things, thing to changing an emotion is by asking, is what I'm feeling right now going to help me get what I want or is it going to hinder me get what, getting what I want? In, in other words, 
you know, will I get what I want by continuing to feel this way? Uh, a, a lot of the feelings we have, I'd say, are, they're natural, but they can be at the same time self-defeating. Let me give you an example. Say after the service today, you go to White Spot because you're craving a pirate pack. And uh, only today, it's, it would be better named Wait Spot. <coughs> and you get in there. And waiting and waiting. You feel me? You feel me? And you're waiting some more. In fact, you know, somebody comes in like 15 minutes after you and, and uh, they get their food before you do. And you begin looking at your, the people you're with and you're like, did you, did you just see that? And you're beginning to irrit get irritated and, and this emotion is, is beginning to, to well up in, inside of you. So somebody asked the question, so is it true? Yeah, it's, it's true. You're, you're, you're frustrated because the service is slow. But is it helping or hurting? If, you're gonna if you lose it on, on that server, is that going to actually help you get faster service? Likely not. I mean, you might actually get spit in your food or something like that, right? You, you, you want to be careful what you treat servers well. They have a lot of power in your life that you don't know. But, but you, you, you lose it. You, you, you maybe you have this anger and, and you explode and, and it might feel good in the moment, but you just got worse service. So we ask ourselves, is this emotion actually getting me where I want to go? <clears throat> Working through these is called managing our emotions. So I, I say first, we, we name it. Secondly, we, we challenge it, asking those questions. What am I really feeling? It, it, is it true? Uh, is this going to be helpful or hurtful? And then we've got to tame it. We've got this unwanted emotion, and we've got, got a choice to bring it under control, to, to wrestle it to the ground, to tame that emotion. Let me suggest two ways that we can change our emotions, uh, our negative emotions especially. Sometimes we need to change what we're feeling, just point, black, point, point blank. Because some emotions are, are so destructive, so damaging, so hurtful, so non-effective, we've simply got to change what we're feeling. Philippians uh, 2.5 says this, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. So our attitude, that, in, that includes our emotions, should be the same as Jesus. So we ask ourselves, how would Jesus feel in this situation? Would Jesus be irritated by this server? No. You know, would, would Jesus yell at that person? No. Would, would Jesus be experiencing road rage right now? Well, probably. I mean, <laughs> would Jesus be getting all worked up and, and, and worrying that it isn't going to work out? No. And so the bottom line of this is we instantly dismiss, uh, you know, feelings that, that, doesn't, that don't make us more like Jesus. Our attitude should be the same as Jesus. So if we're feeling an emotion and we've... We've identified it. We ask the question, would Jesus have this emotion? No. Then that's not the way I should be responding to my wife or to my, my parents or to my kids right now or my workmates because Jesus wouldn't respond that way. If you don't think you have power to change your response, have you ever been in an argument with somebody you love, somebody in your family, and the phone rings? And you pick up the phone and, hi, how you doing? Right? We say we have no control. We have an amazing control over our emotions if we want to, right? On, the, on a dime, hi, we can change it. Your, your heart might still be racing, 
that your physiological response might be still there, but we can actually, if we choose to, we can change how we're responding emotionally. So we can dismiss those feelings. Jesus wouldn't be like that, and so by his grace and by his power, we, we do that. As someone once said, feelings are like waves. You can't stop them coming, but you can decide which ones you surf. Do you feel me? Okay. So sometimes we need to change what we're feeling. Sometimes we need to channel what we're feeling. Um, we can channel it, which means we can use what we're feeling for good. For example, um, say you've been the victim of, of some kind of injustice or, or racism or prejudice or, or unfairness in the classroom, or wherever it might be. You've had something unfair happen in your life, and the, the natural response to that is anger. That's a, that's a legitimate response. Now, the question is, is my anger going to get me what I want? Probably not. But, but can my anger be used to help other people? Yes, it can. Channel in the right direction, you can become a, a champion for justice because you know what it means to experience injustice. Paul says in, in Ephesians, in your anger, do not sin. It, it, it's great to find out that our, our anger in itself isn't a sin. It's, it's what we do with our anger. It's, it's why we are angry that's, that's an issue. We can get angry. In, in fact, it can be a very good emotion. If, if somebody or someone uh, wanted to, to hurt my wife or my boys, it would be appropriate for me to get angry at, in that situation. Uh, in fact, if I wasn't angry in that situation, it might mean that I don't love or I'm apathetic. I, I literally don't care, right? If you love something, if you love someone and somebody hurts them, you're just, you're going to get angry. And, and so that's natural. Love gets angry. This, by the way, explains God a little bit, you know, in terms of God getting angry. I mean, God loves, and because of that, he gets angry. He gets angry at injustice. He gets angry when, when women are, are sexually assaulted. He gets angry when children are molested. He, he gets angry at, 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 at toxic cultures and in, in workplaces. Uh, he gets angry at these things where people are abused or misused. So, Instead of, of just being in that place, we can actually take that, that negative emotion and use it for good. Let me, let me give you another example. Um, some of you wanted to get married, and it, it just hasn't happened as, as of yet. And, and to date, you might say that love, in a way, has been blocked for you. Some, some of you are married, and, and you want children, and it hasn't happened. For now, for now, it feels like your love has been blocked. What can you do with blocked love? Well, you can kind of pull back into a self-made prison and lock the gates and set, you know, pull up the drawbridge and you know, all these kind of things. You kind of retract into yourself. You can do that and, and say, I'm never going to let anybody hurt me again. Or you rechannel it. Maybe you didn't get to marry the, the person that you wanted to marry, but, but the world is full of people who need love. Maybe you didn't get to have the children you wanted to have, but, but there's something like 137 million orphans in the world and there are kids on your street there are kids in your neighborhood who who need love need your love we can we can rechannel a blocked love we can use it for good we don't have to drown in our hurts god can redeem anything and he can redeem even our negative emotions and our responses to things something you might not know about rick warren is he's the author of our study is uh, Rick Warren's son, Matthew, committed suicide three years ago. Really awful, 
awful thing to have happen. Daryl Johnson, a pastor and friend in Vancouver, same thing happened to him about five years ago. One of his sons ended his life. But this is what Rick Warren writes about that, ex that experience. He says, 10 months ago when Matthew died, I entered into the most deep possible grief you can, you can imagine. I'm still not out of it. Kay, that's his wife, Kay and I cry every day for the death of our son and the loss of his life. But along the way, we decided we would channel that grief for good, that somehow we'd use our pain to help others, and we've been seeking to do that. And later that year, uh, Rick and, and their church, Saddleback, hosted probably the largest Christian conference on mental health that's ever been held in the United States. Just this massive attention, this kind of light got shone just by virtue of him saying, uh, I'm not going to waste this pain. I've got to go through it anyway. God, would you use it in my life? Would you use my pain? And, and quite honestly, I, I wonder this morning, what pain is in your life that, that God might want to use for good? You know, we have this idea that, <laughs> that, that God or the world will be most blessed by our, our love, by our strength, by all, all our goodness, all our good qualities. I would suggest that, God, that our world can be most blessed by, by our weakness and by our pain. And when we're willing to share that and go through it. So we change it or we, or we channel it. To one final thought this morning, just to conclude. What, what about those emotions that need changing in our lives? I think we'd, I'd say we'd all have some of these. How do we tame those wild emotions? Some of you might say, I'm a worrier and I can't stop worrying. Or I'm a perfectionist, and I, I can't stop it. I just criticize and judge, and I pick, and I, I nag. Or I'm a lazy person. I, I just tend to be lazy. All these emotions. Fear. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fearful person. Or anger. I'm just a naturally angry person. I lose my temper, and I either kind of blow up or, or clam up. How do we tame those wild emotions, those ones that just stick with us through our lives? Well, it's not by willpower. I love the good news of Scripture, Zechariah 4, 6. You will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. We, we don't change our emotions by willpower. It doesn't work that way. It's not by might nor by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. How does that happen? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to change these, these negative emotions in our lives? I'd say we need to seek to be filled with the spirit. We, we need to connect with God as we've talked, we want to connect fully with God, deeply with God, because we want his spirit to begin rubbing off on us. As he fills us with his spirit, we begin to change. Just naturally, we begin to change as we stay connected to Jesus, the vine. Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The image there is of, of Christians who, who say, I'm not going to be ruled by this. I'm going to crucify my passions. I'm going to crucify my desires, saying I'm not going to let them rule me. Instead, I'm going to live in this beautiful connection with God through his spirit. And it says that kind of life produces fruit. Good for I mean, folks, if you were to grow in just one or two of those qualities listed in that passage, 
our world would be transformed. Your world would be transformed. It'd be changed. A lot of people think that if I let uh, the Holy Spirit rule my life, um, I'm going to become a nut or a religious fanatic or something. No, if you let the Holy Spirit fill your life, you'll be filled with more goodness and kindness and self-control than you've ever had in your life. Why don't we uh, pray? I know God's been speaking this morning, and uh, we'll conclude with this, but just this morning, what has God been putting his finger on in your life? What does he wants to change? What is he that he wants to change in you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that, that you are an emotional God and that you graciously gave us the ability to feel. We're, we're not robots. We're, we're not unfeeling. We're not uncaring. You enable us to, to feel both the highs and the lows in life. And God, we pray, we, we ask that you would help us to avoid the extremes of emotionalism where all that matters is how we feel and the other side where we deny our feelings. Thank you for the example that we find in, in Psalms which show us that every emotion is understood by you and that you can give us the power to change it or to channel it. And Lord, we know that, uh, that our feelings are often unreliable. Would you uh, help us not to build our lives on our feelings, but rather on your truth, Lord? We don't want to be manipulated by people. We don't want to be manipulated by our enemy, by Satan. Teach us how to be self-controlled and alert. More than that, Lord, we want to please you, and so we ask you to be the Lord of our emotions, we pray. And this week, God, uh, as often happens, we know we're going to be tested in this. Help us to practice what we're learning. Teach us to, to learn how to process our, our strong emotions, Lord, to name them, to get to the, the root of, of what we're really feeling. Help us to, to grow in our understanding of our emotions and where they're coming from. And Father, would you help us challenge our emotions to not just automatically accept them, but, to, but teach us, Lord, to ask good questions of ourselves. Oh, God, think of those wild, untamed emotions that we, we struggle with especially. Would you help us to change them or to channel them for good in our world? And together, Lord, we would pray today, would you fill us again with your spirit? Fill us again moment by moment through our days. We ask you again that you'd fill us with your spirit, that we'd become, become a people more and more and more marked by those nine qualities we see in, in Galatians, Lord, that your good, goodness and patience and, and, and self-control and your love and your gentleness and your kindness, your faithfulness, all those things, Lord, would be what we become known for as your fruit becomes uh, more evident in our lives, God, we pray. So, so would you cause us to overflow with all those things? We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Wow. Do you feel me? Feel yeah? Good, good, good. Uh, we're just going to keep on being persistent about that, that God has made us emotional beings, and we need to continue to, to seek him in that area of our lives. We, we spent a whole series last fall, but just realizing uh, what Peter Scazzaro is true, we can't remain emotionally immature if we ever hope to be spiritually mature. So we're going to continue to do that. Um,
this morning, we're just going to release you to refreshments and uh, want to encourage you, if you'd like prayer this morning, we, we'd love to pray with you and you can come and join us uh, here. Please feel free to pray at the front. Um, we are having in the nursery uh, just that uh, information meeting and if you have questions, input, uh, feel free regarding warm welcome. That's happening uh, right after the service as soon as uh, parents grab their babies. So we're, we'll, we'll let the babies depart and we'll, we'll head in and uh, get a chance to meet in the nursery. So uh, God bless you as you go. Take care, everybody.